Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Tukey's Take Podcast. We are back. It is us, the guys, the fellas, with another edition of your hopefully favorite hockey podcast that's barely about hockey, a fraudcast, if you will. I am joined by Mr. Endo Mills and Mr. Sim for the win. I will always call you Endo Mills. I don't care if it's Endurance yeah. M. That is just the name that you had when we first became friends, and it's it's your fault. It's your fault. Yeah. Thanks, Grandma, for having the last name Mills. And, uh, you know, me taking off of that and homage to your name. And then saying, fuck you, Grandma. And then just going with Endurance M. Yeah. Sin, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. <sighs> good. 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 So today will be an interesting show, I'm sure. Because obviously last week we typically do Mondays and Thursdays. We recorded on Friday for our second show last week. And then the NHL, as we had talked about last week, decided we don't really need to have too many games, do we? We talked about this, like I said, I do not know or understand what is going on with their scheduling, but it's going to make for some interesting shows where there are some times where we'll have less things to talk about. This weekend, for example, Friday night, two games. Saturday night, 15 games. Last night on Sunday, two games. Tonight, one game. Monday the 24th, every single team in the league plays. There's 16 games. And then Wednesday, one game. I understand only having one on Monday because of football and stuff, but... uh only having one on Wednesday makes no sense. I just... So that's been a prevailing thought, right? The idea of, oh, they're trying to avoid getting obliterated by the NFL. But at a certain point, you're eventually just doing harm to your own product by trying to 4D chess this and say, well, we can't go head-to-head with the NFL. The NFL runs on Sunday... Monday and Thursday up until January when the playoffs start. Are we going to have a schedule like this all the way through January? And then what happens when the NBA starts? Baseball's still going on. There's a game seven tonight in the ALCS, and then we're going to be into the World Series by the end of the week, more than likely. I just don't I I just don't feel like they're doing themselves much of a favor by saying, let's go out of our way to avoid competition when it's the start of the season. We're what, two weeks into it? Yeah. And you've had multiple nights now with just one or two games played. To me, that just screams massively detrimental. Um, and even looking in the next week, October 30th to November 5th, there are three nights with just two games. Uh, this is a continuing trend of even through November, multiple nights with just a handful of games played. Um, if I'm not mistaken, when is Thanksgiving this year? I imagine it is the 21st of November. It's the 23rd. The 21st has no games played. Is there a reason for that? Am I forgetting something? <laughs> what is November 21st? Am I a terrible American? Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, no, because the twenty third is Thanksgiving. I believe oh, okay. there's a roster freeze. Um, 
I'm not sure if it's in November or it's in December, but there is a roster freeze at one point where it's basically kind of like you can't make any moves or acquisitions during this one period of time. I'm not again. We'll get someone to correct us, obviously, in the chat. Uh, in our, in our, yeah. Um, I'm sorry to keep cutting you off, but 21st, no games. 22nd, 14 games, and then the 23rd is American Thanksgiving, no games. So please, someone inform me what's special about November 21st. I, either I'm an ignorant American who's not thinking of it, or there's like a Canadian holiday. It's a Tuesday, so I can't even imagine. It's like, oh, it's a long weekend, bank holiday, because that would have been on a Monday. I I just don't get it, and I feel like it is uh, detrimental in a lot of ways to the league. But we talked a little bit more about that in depth uh, last week, but it is still... Oh. Uh, <sighs> still a prevailing issue, I'd say, is the, yeah, the best so way So about that, I, I decided to look it up. So the 21st of November, apparently according to days of the year, because that's a thing, uh, it is Entrepreneur's Day, World Television Day, National Red Mitten Day, or False Confession Day, National Stuffing Day, and there's a bunch of other stuff as well. Yeah, that's weird. I, I too would not have a television product air <laughs> on television day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you took my took my. All right, fine. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I took Sin's line that he was going to, uh, you know, that he was going to dish out about National Television Day or whatever the hell. Um, well, the good thing is, Sin, we're, we're coming up on the gift of giving, and there's no better gift to give. Uh, in the upcoming closing months of 2023, how weird is that? We are almost in November already. The hell. Uh, there is no better gift to give this holiday season uh, than the gift of well-groomed men. And you can accomplish that. <laughs> I could get into with that. You can accomplish that goal by going to manscaped.com. That is M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D. I don't have to tell you how to spell it, but I'm going to anyway, where you can use the code Tugie, T-O-U-G-I-E, for 20% off your order and free shipping. One of these days, I'm going to get them to bump it up to 24% off. I'm haggling right now. We'll get there. But again, Manscaped.com, the uh, proud sponsor of the Tugie's Take podcast, the best you can get in the world of men's grooming. And again, start to think about it. We're, we're closing in. November is coming up. National television, Red Mitten Day. Coming up, celebrate no hockey on Red Mitten Day by preparing yourself for the holiday season and get the gift of the Manscapes. Let's get to some viewer questions here. We will start off with Hawks, who is once again back to the uh, Sister Christian Cage moniker on the Discord. Is it too early to panic for the Seattle Kraken? Now, uh, Sin alluded towards this, I believe, on the, on the last show, kind of mentioned, like, oh, it's been a rough start in Seattle. And obviously, we don't want to be too overreactionary in some ways. It has been a rough start. They have one win in six games with an overtime loss, so three points on the season. However, uh, they just lost one of their better players. Forward Andre Burakovsky will be out for six to eight weeks after surgery uh, for an undisclosed upper body injury that he suffered in a game against the New York Rangers. Coincidentally, a hit by Jacob Truba. It wasn't a particularly dirty hit, as I recall, just more so a bad outcome. But given the optimism surrounding the Seattle Kraken, we got to talk to Nick Olchek about that and the feelings surrounding the club heading into the season. Definitely not the start that you would have wanted 
However, I don't think they're the only team that's off to a particularly slow start. Um, as it is, uh, Sin, shout out to the San Jose Sharks, who are still the uh, lone winless team in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, baby. The, uh, the Tank Commander, Logan Couture and company, they are doing a great job. Oh, he hasn't but... even played yet. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> the less he's playing, the better for the team in terms of losing. <sighs> but I don't know if it's necessarily too early for the Kraken to panic, but it hasn't been a particularly good start. And looking through some of the numbers here, Philip Grubauer has an 896 save percentage in four appearances so far. And team leading scorer with five points, Vince Dunn. You have McCann with two points, Beneers and Eberly each with one. Um, it's been a slow start for a lot of these guys, but six games is still probably a little bit too early to panic. Maybe. All in agreement. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they kind of won by commission in a lot of ways last season, so the fact that no one's really scoring gets bad for them. Also, their goaltending is still a big, big issue. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, you start getting to the 10, like, they, they they need to win a few in a row right now to to really, I would say, to not have to go in the panic mode. But as of right now, like, yeah, they haven't looked good. Even the game they won, like, they nearly blew it multiple times. I feel like, though, there are, and, you know, it's fair enough. There are quite a few teams, though, like I said, that you can kind of look at of like, oh, boy, they're off to a bit of a slow start. Buffalo Sabres, for example, the Florida Panthers. But even within that division, obviously we talked about San Jose being at the bottom of it. Uh, the Ducks have just one win in five games, and a lot of people were looking for them to take that step up. The Edmonton Oilers have just one win in five games, and they uh, got some brutal news over the weekend as Connor McDavid is going to be out for one to two weeks with an upper body injury. Um, he got hurt during the third period of a game against the Jets. That they lost. Uh, and he could also miss that Heritage Classic game uh, that the Oilers are scheduled to play against Calgary, which would be a disaster <laughs> for the mm -hmm. marketability of that event to not have Connor McDavid available uh, for the Oilers. Um, yeah, I, I wonder about a team like that, too. And when is that kind of ideal time to say, oh, let's panic here um you know it's it's weird because i feel like it's unfair because for seattle i'm like oh maybe not but for the oilers i am willing to say they should panic right now I don't yeah know if that's right to do so well here's the thing i think the oilers what, what's gonna happen is they're gonna they're gonna panic in the wrong way um I guess we can talk about them now and get back to the viewer questions. Uh, if I don't know if you guys caught the interview by their head coach, Jay Woodcroft, um, who dropped an F-bomb. Ooh, uh, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, he dropped an F-bomb in the interview. Very disappointed about the lack of effort and lack of a lot of people playing well enough. Um, another thing to bring up is that with McDavid out, Oilers are carrying minimum 18 skaters, two goaltenders. So they're paying for the horrific cap management and decision-making by Ken Holland 
And likely the guy who's going to get the boot if they can't figure this out quickly is going to be Jay Woodcroft. And I don't think that's a good idea. I think he's a good coach. Um, yeah, he was a member of uh, the Sharks or organization for quite some time, I think under McClellan. Um, and now has a, has a shot at the head coach of the Oilers. And <laughs> again, when, when we talked about it, it's like, how far can McDavid and Drysaddle carry you? And once again, they don't have enough depth scoring. They don't have enough depth in general as evidenced by their top guy going out and they can't call anyone up because it'll put them over cap. Yeah, cap cap friendly has um, them listed with seven defensemen. Their projected lineup right now. Um, We'll talk about this guy a little bit more in depth in a second, but Evander Kane, Leon Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman as a top line. Um, you know, Dreisaitl has, we'll, we'll go back to the top line. Uh, Matthias Yanmark, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Warren Fogle is the second nice. line right now. That's not a second line. That is not a second line. <laughs> that is a second line. If you're in a tank, let's go. Let's go. God. Third line. No points between any of these three in the first five games of the season. Dylan Holloway, Ryan McLeod, and Connor Brown. And two forwards, Adam Ernie and Derek Ryan, who are also without points so far in the first five games of the season. On defense, they're carrying Eckholm and Bouchard, Darnell Nurse and Cody Ceci. Um, Two points between the two of them, by the way. Uh, Nurse at 9.25 and Ceci at 3.25. A third pair of Brett Kulak and Vinny DeHarnay, and then Philip Broberg as the uh, seventh defenseman. Um, with goaltender Stuart Skinner rocking an 8-14 save percentage and a 4-3-1 goals against average in three appearances, Jack Campbell has a 9-0-2 save percentage and a 3-6-7 goals against average in three appearances. This team right now, Dreisaitl, Hyman, Nuge, McDavid, Bouchard. They've had five players really kind of show up at the start of the season. Um it's a really scary time and kind of like sin mentioned here in regards to, Hey, Jay Woodcroft calling out the team. I agree that unfortunately he will probably be the one to go, which is the worst thing that could happen because the problem with this team lies in the way it was constructed. Ken Hollins was a big part. Some say he wasn't. Some say he inherited the pieces that allowed him to be a big part of multiple Red Wings championships uh, but this roster's a mess, and I, I don't feel like it's unfair to call it a mess right now because the warning signs were there over the last couple of years that you needed a different twist. You haven't seen that, and now cracks are starting to form. What are they going to look like without Connor McDavid over the next two weeks? And um, ah, tell me if you saw this coming. Evander Kane. During intermission of a game, was complaining about his lack of ice time. We've hit that time of year, everybody, where Evander Kane, who is averaging, let's see, out of all forwards on the Oilers, he is fifth in ice time, only behind Dreisaitl, Hyman, Nuge, and McDavid. He shouldn't be complaining, number one. But number two, this is exactly the, this is the, this is the, pattern of Evander Kane. He's a good boy for a couple years and then he gets back on his bullshit. 
And I remember mm. Oilers were like, nah, he's fine. He's great. Fuck yeah, everyone else. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, we thought that th- we thought the same thing in San Jose. It's going to start. It's going to, especially with the team looking pretty bad right now. Like it's going to start. He's something else is going to pop up too. And then Oilers fans, especially <laughs> Alberta, there's, they're going to turn on him quick. <laughs> I mean, like I thought the people would know that with his, his attitude with, um, Playing in, you know, um, what was it? When the team moved from Atlanta Thrashers to Winnipeg, and he basically didn't want to play in Winnipeg. Then I he mean, went to Buffalo, was... well, and then he I... went to San Jose, and that whole shenanigan. And like, like, like Sin said, like it's a, it's a history. I, I have a feeling he. I mean, like every player doesn't like losing, but I'm assuming just like when he, when he's on a big rut of like a of a team or an environment where it's not like success 24 seven. He just does not do well. He just does not like do anything well. And the, the crazy thing is like, there was an article on Sportsnet, If I'm not mistaken, around the time he was drafted with the headline, Evander Kane problem child with a question mark. Like there were in, you know, essentially, there were stories out there about, okay, you know, is this guy going to get in his own way? Because at the same time, there were articles. I'm looking at one on Bleacher Report right now uh, from a writer by the name of Warren Shaw, August 18th of 2009. Atlanta Thrashers first rounder Evander Kane could be a knockout in the NHL. And that is absolutely true uh, because Evander Kane is a really really talented fucking hockey player but whether it is winnipeg and dustin bufflin throwing your tracksuit in the shower whether it's buffalo whether it's the way that your time in san jose came to an end um you know it's it's just one of those things where you can't help but wonder like is he just gonna keep getting in his own way and you're five games into a season, fifth best ice time on your team, and you're already complaining about a lack of ice time. That is not a very good sign yeah. at this stage, especially for a forward um, who is on the second year of a four-year deal at just over $5 million per season um, with a no-movement clause this year and next. So it's not like you could be like, well, let's try to put him through waivers to get rid of him. Yeah, you can't do that. He has a no-movement clause. <laughs> and then yeah. gets a 16-team no-trade list in the last year of his deal. 16-team? Fuck. So over half wow. the league, because obviously 31 teams he could be traded to, over half of the teams in the league he could say, um, yeah, I'm not going there. Interesting times in Edmonton. Um and it's super, super early. Like I said, five games played. But it's one of those things where it's like they need to kind of show what they're made of now already at this stage. you got to see what you have in those depth options and what they can do uh, moving forward at this stage. And that Heritage Classic game comes up, I believe, October 29th, if I am not mistaken. So that is... Uh, very, very soon, and hey, since we were talking about the Oilers, we'll get back to your questions in a second. We can talk about this, too. From the Calgary Flames' perspective, uh, they might also not be at 100%. Uh, 
Um, as defenseman Rasmus Anderson was suspended for four games after, uh, let's be honest, headshotting Patrick Laine. Yeah. Left his feet, elbowed him in the fucking head. Um, however, he is appealing the suspension, really to the surprise of nobody, as he should, because four games was shockingly on point. You know, normally for something like this, he'd be like, oh, one or two games, it feels like. And that's exactly why he's appealing is it's like, well, you've set the precedent for this over the past couple of years. Why is my case different? He has a hearing uh, with Gary Bettman today, um, at least as we're recording right now. There's no word out about what the result of that meeting has been. Um, but yeah, to uh, the two Albertan teams in a really interesting spot, um, the Oilers big couple of weeks ahead and then for calgary they're also still in that really weird spot of like okay what the hell are we uh, but in regards to the suspension i hope it holds for anderson yeah the, the argument will be well what about the standard you set the message needs to be well this new is standard. the new standard that's unacceptable yes they cannot back down on this man like this needs to be the new standard need to get that shit out of the game that was completely unnecessary i don't care if oh there's 60 minutes in a game Fucking hell, he's at center ice. What's he going to do from there? Hmm. Like, it's not a hockey play. That's the point. That wasn't a hockey play, and it was a bad hit. Like, you can't get around that. Not a hockey play, bad hit. You can argue intent, but the result is that he jumped into the hit and he elbowed him. That Hmm. that screams intent to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like so many people just immediately jump to the defense, and it's like, oh, well, Rasmus Anderson's not a dirty player. He's a good guy, and it's like, yeah, probably. Yeah. It was still a bad play, though. Mm-hmm. At the end of the like, day, you still have to hold people accountable for like, man, that was, a, that was a shit play. Take a seat for a little bit. Don't do that shit again. You know, it's like, not as if it's a Rafi Torres 41-game suspension. It's four games, which will likely be costly for the flames. And that's kind of the point, you know? (laughs) Oh no, it's the consequences of my actions. How terrible. So, um, funny enough. Do you guys want to go back to viewer questions really quickly or stay in the Pacific? Because we did have some conversations surrounding the Pacific division and we can always come back to them or We we already hit the two teams that we were talking about. So we can go back to viewer questions. Fair enough. Uh, with that, our next question from Young Burrito. <sighs> I, okay. <sighs> if you had to be one villain, who would you be? Also, pizza is amazing with ranch. Okay. From yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you if no further context, just if you had to be a villain, who would you be? I want to be that guy from that Spider-Man comic where he he like he could like splice genes and like redevelop genetic code, and Spider-Man's like you could like cure cancer with this. Like I don't want to cure cancer. I want to make people into dinosaurs. That's the kind of guy that I want to be. Oh, I'll find the article and I'll show Elon you. I'll Musk, show you guys the clip. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I love that that somehow popped into your head. Within 15 seconds of me asking. It's, I think about that a lot. You don't understand. Like, that's your Rome. That's my Rome and Empire. Oh, God. Sin, do you have an answer for this? Not really. Not right now. I have to, I guess, think about it. What villain do I want to be? 
these are these are the type of questions where a little bit more context to to put us in put us in brackets a little bit instead of the expansive world like what the hell for villain um i do have an answer though here it is i i want to be uh mr freeze from batman and robin i want to be arnold schwarzenegger just saying ice puns all day <laughs> ice <laughs> job what killed the dinosaurs? The ice, the ice age. age. <laughs> Chill out. Ice to meet you. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, How big of an ego did he have to make his name appear first before the guy who plays Batman in the opening credits, by the way? Right? <laughs> I mean, dude, that's a power move and a half. Come on. Yeah. Um, God. God damn it. You know, it's funny. I was asked about it on stream last night. Like, it was some sort of context of like, oh, what would you do if you could go back and what stupid thing would you do if you could go back in time or something like that? It's like, I would watch Batman Forever and Batman and Robin in theaters. <laughs> and I would, I would be quoting the movie for first time viewers as they watch it. So they just have to look at me. Oh, um, God, the bat credit card that gets me every time. <laughs> Those movies are, they're so <laughs> shit, and I love them. I will always love the Joel Schumacher Batman movies because they are an absolute disaster in the best possible way. <laughs> Riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> Dude, Jim Carrey as the Riddler and, and Forever is amazing. Um, but... <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the the Arnold quotes at this point. <laughs> you know, it was a it was an edgy's ninety movie, so he said, "Let's kick some ice instead of ass." Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was it was great. Um, God, I I love those movies. Um, Sin, did I bide you enough time? <laughs> Not really. I I don't fucking know, man. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Throw him under the bus for a yeah. a mid question. This one comes from AJ, and this is more in Sin's wheelhouse. Rank from best to worst. So what I will do is we'll do like King of the uh, King of the Hill style. I'll name two. Whatever one's better moves on to the next challenger. Chicken wing or boneless bites chicken. Fucking chicken wing. Ooh. Endo, do you agree? Chicken wing, yeah, fuck yeah. Chicken wing. Or chicken tender? Chicken wing. Chicken wing. Chicken wing or popcorn chicken? Chicken, chicken wing. Chicken wing. Chicken wing or chicken nuggets? Chicken wing. Chicken wing. Chicken wing or chicken fries? Chicken wing. Chicken wing, dude. Chicken that fries is. are just like skin, are just like Weight Watchers skinny chicken nuggets. strip. Like what the fuck? Skinny nuggets. <laughs> oh god, they're they're the Luigi uh, of chicken nuggets, uh, chicken fries. That is compared to Mario's chicken nugget. You know, he's a little bit oh, more. Oh man, remember the remember the year of Luigi? I do. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. Okay, <laughs> like Luigi's Mansion, good games. God damn it, put some respect on Luigi. At this point. You know what's really funny about the year of Luigi? It was like the worst financially report Nintendo's <laughs> ever done. It was, it was so bad. It was so bad. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, literally, there's a Wikipedia article on this. 
The year of Luigi, which was February of 2013 to March of 2014, so one year, one month, and four days, actually, was the 30th anniversary celebration of Luigi. Um, <clears throat> so they basically, excuse me, <clears throat> dedicated an entire year to Luigi-based games, which included um, New Super Luigi U, which was uh, Luigi, like Mario-style game for the Wii U, Dr. Luigi, um, they did stuff for Super Mario 3D World. It just it it, it just flopped horrifically. It was um, bad. It was... There was nothing new. It was just the same games, except instead of being able to play with Mario and Luigi, it was just Luigi. Yeah. Oops, all Luigi. That's basically what it was. There's something for player twos everywhere. Yeah. So here, you didn't here's the it, quote. The legacy part of the Year of Luigi article. 2013 was an apparent financial failure for Nintendo, losing $457 million in total, primarily due to the poor reception of the Wii U and its games. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout the out Ouija to uh... U. <laughs> God. The Wii U. Did either of you own a Wii U? No, I, I, I haven't not. owned a, a, a Nintendo system since the 64. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I had friends that like had the GameCube and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like I didn't need to buy one. It's like I was the exactly. guy that had the PS2. My friend was the one that had the GameCube. Cool. We get to play everything that we want to play. Yep. And now we have one console for almost everything. Unless you like Spider-Man and stuff like that. Get a big ass <laughs> PS5. Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. I want to play that so bad, but I do not have time. Before this wedding. I just don't. From Tomas Shea. My kids just started playing hockey slash skating. And I don't want them to fall into any of the hockey rivalries in Canada. Like Boston, Montreal, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto versus everyone. What team jersey could I get them to keep them safe? So the way I think of this question. What team is like the most milk toast. What team is everyone just like, yeah, they exist. And that's it. That no one has like particularly Winnipeg. harsh feelings about. Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> they just yeah. Honestly. That's not bad. That's not bad. Winnipeg. And then get them the the was it the the alternators that they had a few years the ago? Blue. Yeah, the baby blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And and it looks like it was from fucking Walmart. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> this curse of jets in the middle. Perfect. You'll be fine. As I'm scrolling through these teams, I'm like, yeah, what other team aside from the jets? Like, I guess you could have said the Panthers before this cup run, but not anymore. Like, especially oh, I thought it had whole... to be a Canadian team because he was. Oh, does Canada. it have to be a Canadian team? Oh, I don't know. He just said in it Canada. didn't necessarily say a Canadian team. It said any no. team. But I do think Winnipeg <laughs> is probably the best one. Like, yeah. do people hate columbus blue jackets fans at this point no maybe the no. organization like who who views columbus as a rivalry at this stage no right like tampa got over it because they went on to win two cups after the embarrassment of the first round a few years ago um yeah winnipeg might just be the most eh, type of team out there congrats to jets fans and there you go tomas you now have a uh your kids are now winnipeg jets fans until they move back to Atlanta. <laughs> oh, God, but hey, then you'll root for the Atlanta Thrashers, which is cool. 
And every and your kids will have been on the bandwagon from literally day one with the return of the Thrashers. There you go. From Scroopy Noopers, question for the podcast. Based on my obsession with sharks, should the San Jose Sharks have alternate jerseys or warm-up jerseys of different species of sharks? Imagine emblem and color changes to match a blue, mako, hammerhead, whale shark, or even a great white. Sin, I feel like this is for you. Would you yeah, want no. the sharks to be more kind of gimmicky, with it, for lack of a better term? Nah. Nah? Nah. I mean, different species and shit. You don't need that unless you want to slap the street sharks on there. I'd be, I'd be all for that. <laughs> we need, um, oh my god, dude! We need an NHL game where it's the San Jose in street sharks jerseys, oh, like the ducks in the Mighty Ducks cartoon jerseys. Oh, oh my god! Amazing. And for anybody who does not know, Street Sharks um, was a was really an horrible animated... Ninja Turtles knockoff. <laughs> yes, in the in the mid nineties, it was a it was Vin Diesel, blatant, right? Blatant, blatant knockoff of the Ninja Turtles. But um, they ate hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm gonna read the plot for Street oh. Sharks. <laughs> A university professor named Dr. Robert Bolton and his partner, Dr. Luther Paradigm. What a name. What a fucking name. Paradigm. That might have to be the episode title. Just Dr. Luther Paradigm. (laughs) Create a machine known as the Gene Slammer, which coincidentally I was called in high school. Um, (laughs) You might have to call this episode Gene Slammer. Yes, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is capable of changing aquatic animals into anthropomorphic hybrids by combining their DNA. Oh my In god. In his attempt to prevent Paradigm from using this machine for personal power, Bolton is transformed into an unseen monstrosity, but he does escape. Later, Paradigm gives Bolton's four sons, John, Bobby, Coop, and Clint, the likeness. <laughs> Coop and Clint. Coop and Clint. The likeness of four different sharks. When Paradigm captures their friend Benz, the resulting street sharks rescue him, and the resulting battle causes Paradigm to be combined with Piranha DNA, for which he is often nicknamed Dr. Piranoid by the other characters. While street sharks are known to enjoy eating hot dogs, hamburgers, and shakes, they have shown a disdain for pizza when they shoot down that suggestion to Ben's and other character, Lena Mack, who sounds like a poor star. Oh, man. Oh, God. In subsequent episodes, Dr. Paradigm creates a variety of mutant animals to destroy the street sharks while attempting to persuade the inhabitants of their native metropolis, Fission City. One of them was like an orca, I think. Like nuclear fishing, by the way, uh, to imprison them. Of these mutant animals, a few sided with the sharks themselves, namely Rox, R-O-X, Manta Man, who was a... You, you, you get it. El Sordo, the swordfish. <laughs> El Sordo. It's and their whale friend, Moby Lick. <laughs> That's, that was my nickname in high school. I think, I think Moby Lick was 
Yeah, yeah he was an Arca. He was an Arca. Moby Lick, dude. Oh, Holy fuck. shit. The final few episodes introduced the Dino Avengers. A group of extraterrestrial <laughs> dinosaurs allied with the street sharks against their own rivals in the Raptor Gang. <laughs> <laughs> the drugs these people were on. Holy Fucking shit. man. When Dr. Paradigm wanted to get a sample of the Raptor's DNA to improve himself, they trick him by giving him iguana DNA, which transforms <laughs> him into Dr. Iguanazoid. Teaching him to work with the Raptors, where they'll reward him by correcting the DNA mistake that they gave him. In the end, Paradigm is captured and imprisoned while the Raptor gang leaves Earth. The Dino Avengers later had their own series called Extreme Dinosaurs, where Jesus they and the Raptors Christ. had different backgrounds. How do you, how does that get a spinoff? <laughs> The Street Sharks was already essentially a really bad copy, and then <laughs> somehow a spinoff comes from that series. <sighs> well, Basically, stream- it came down to, can we sell these fucking toys? I guarantee uh-huh. you. <laughs> uh-huh. So, Extreme Dinosaurs was the Jurassic oh. Park Ninja Turtles ripoff. Yeah. Um, Plot, why not? The series starred it's a shorter plot. The series starred a Tyrannosaurus named T-Bone. Of a triceratops named Spike, oh a God. Stegosaurus named Stegs, <laughs> and a Pteranodon named Bullseye. Bullseye with a Z. Or a Z. Bullseye. <laughs> that Bullseye. were transformed into super warriors by an interdimensional criminal named Argor Zardok. <laughs> Power Rangers ass shit is this? They rebelled against the alien criminal and battle with Argor's second group of warriors known as the Evil Raptors. Eventually, the Raptors' objective is to cause global warming by increasing the Earth's temperature to suit themselves, not caring that the humans shall suffer shall suffer from global warming. <laughs> the fuck? The plot is Raptors trying to cause global warming. <laughs> Oh, holy shit (sighs) so anyway (laughs) Scroopy we don't need special sharks jerseys from our friend a rogue pineapple speaking of sharks (laughs) would you rather shoot laser beams (laughs) from your eyes (laughs) 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 the timing he sent a message nine minutes after Scroopy so he might have thought of it because of sharks but I'm not sure I'll restart would you rather shoot laser beams from your eyes but they're the type of lasers used in LASIK surgery or have the ability to talk to animals but only for 10 minutes and only after you've orgasmed so I'm like Aquaman just coming in the ocean and he can talk to fucking animals <laughs> at least you can find out what your cat thinks of your form yeah you know <laughs> I'd do the talk to animals thing because that'd be awesome no matter what although that's leaning close to if you want to be efficient with it you gotta start dabbling in illegal shit 
Potentially. Or I mean, time. <laughs> or you make like a theater for your bed in view of the bed. Jesus Christ. So that way too, it's just afterwards. So what are the reviews? Um, God, what would the laser beams do with LASIK? I mean, it can fuck up your eyes if you botch it. Like, it's just gonna... nothing. It's useless. Yeah. Am I like? I mean, I guess I could be a really good uh, doctor, right? Yeah. I mean, or you can make eye contact people. with anyone. That sounds awful. Like, yeah, there's but only anybody I look at the eyes could get great vision out of it. Or you could destroy their vision. Yeah. Or leave them in like se- like severe pain for the rest mm. of their lives. Like, have, I, I, have you guys looked up, like, I mean, obviously you haven't looked up, but, like, the mortality rate for botched LASIK sur- surgeries is terrible. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, people, like, end up in, like, insane pain, and, like, the only way for them to deal with it is them fucking kill themselves. It's unfortunate. It's it's wild. The only way to deal with it is red mittens. Um, it does say, though, that you could shoot off. lasers. <laughs> which makes it which makes it sound like a choice. So oh, I don't okay. think it's, so it's not just Cyclops. Yes, exactly. You're not just Cyclops where it's like if you don't have the glasses on, it's just yeah, you're fucking everything. shooting useless lasers. Yeah, I'll take the talking. To I'm, I'm talking to am- animals after I bone, dude. I'm <laughs> I mean, it would give you incentive to, uh, you know, ex- ex- explore a bit. Yeah, you know. <laughs> What? <laughs> hey, girl, let's go have sex at the beach. I'm trying to figure out what these dolphins are about. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> or it's like, oh, let's go on an African safari and then, you know, talk to lions for 10 minutes. <laughs> Simba. <laughs> Jesus. What a weird question. Is there another one? Um, there is. There is. Is, is that what the, the, the girl from the wild, thor- the wild thornberries happened to her? <laughs> Just the gift of gab? Jeez. Sir, she was a child and it's now weird. Yeah, it's now weird. Now it's weird. (laughs) Now it's weird. Sim was talking about having a theater set up to watch his. That wasn't me. And then look over and be like, yo, how'd I do? That was not me. (laughs) You said you said like a theater. I didn't fucking say that. From Bouncy McBoink Boink, in your opinion, what's the most impressive individual stat for a skater or for a goalie? Thank and what's God. the most impressive team stat? Most impressive stat for a skater? Heart hmm. per 60. Hip checks per 60. But I guess he's saying like more. an existing stat or something. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you know, honestly... <laughs> It was a few years ago when I got really into watching the AIHL because there was no hockey on. I can't remember why. Why was there no hockey? Was it pandemic a pandemic canceled or, or was it a lockout? I can't remember, but I, I shared this with you two again. We had this one guy in the, I, the AIHL who was our fucking hero because he was a point scorer and he had hundreds and hundreds of penalty minutes at the same time. And that is always going to be my favorite one. Uh, and I... It's it is like in an old tweet, and I think it was Tugi was the one who found it. And goddamn, he the dude had like you know good amount of points and like two hundred plus penalty minutes at the same time. I'm gonna try to find this season 
um, which would be tough. For anyone who doesn't know, by the way, the AIHL is the Australian Ice Hockey League, um, who currently have eight teams. We have the, uh, the the CBR Brave, which are located in the uh, Australian capital of Canberra. The Newcastle North Stars. The Sydney Ice Dogs, who have a just fucking jacked bulldog. That's their yeah. logo. <laughs> yep. The Sydney Bears, the Melbourne Ice, the Melbourne Mustangs, the Perth Thunder, and the Adelaide Adrenaline, which is the most XFL team name I think mm-hmm. I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God, but yeah, I have to. Um, I have to try to find this if I can, just to see who that player was. Yeah. I Although remember. I might have found him because I did find the all-time leader in penalty minutes. <laughs> Let me see what this guy's scoring record was. Okay, it might not have been this guy, but there is a guy by the name of David Dunwoody, um, who is now retired. He was a five foot nine, one hundred ninety eight pound defenseman. Oh my god! Who finished his career with two hundred and sixty nine points in three hundred seventy two games? And 1,652 <laughs> penalty minutes. I want to say this is him, honestly, because that's Meaning a decent he, amount of points. Yeah, he, he averaged uh, 0.72 points per game and 4.44 penalty minutes a game. Um, so Fucking shout out beast. to David Dunwoody. <laughs> One of that's three players in the history of the AIHL. Uh, to have over a thousand penalty minutes alongside another retired player named Andrew White and uh, an active player to this day, Liam Webster, who plays both center and defense uh, for the Melbourne Ice. So, uh, the AIHL. We love looking up random leagues. Man, uh, what was really funny is uh, when they did the trip this year to Australia. Usually, like, in the previous Global Series games, you know, the team would play, the NHL team would play uh, a team in another league, like the SHL or whatever. Uh, when they went over to Germany, what was it? Who played? It was Philadelphia Flyers played another team. I can't remember what team it was. But it was a team a in, like, team. the, in the it was, like, the DEL. I, I was, like, when I was, when they're going over there, I'm, like, so are they going to go play an Australian Hockey League team? Because that would be an absolute, like you think it'd be an absolute like manslaughter between the two teams. But well, then you that's look back why they didn't that, do it. Yeah, yeah. like normally. But then you look back. Go ahead. Yeah, but then you look back at the the Philadelphia series with them over there, and like it was a close game. It was like a relatively close game. People were like, surprised. Yeah, so they have done the global series quite a few times now at this stage. It's actually quite the history of the NHL playing games um, in other countries. Um, And you're right that, you know, sometimes there's the example of uh, in 2018, the NHL had uh, two exhibition games in China. Uh, The Bruins and Flames went over that year. The year before you had the Canucks and Kings who played some games in China. Um, there have been other games, for example, uh, Calgary and San Jose played games in Japan in mm-hmm. 1998. Like, there's mm-hmm. a pretty big history of, of stuff like this. But right. in the past, you, with the NHL Global Series, including last year, um, for example, October 3rd, the Predators played SC Bern of the Swiss League. 
And October 4th, the Sharks played Berlin of the DEL. Um, the problem with that is just the idea of, okay, the different in competition level between mm-hmm. the AIHL clubs and then a team in the NLA or a team in the DEL. Um, don't get me wrong. I think it would have been cool if those games happened to have been against, you know, like say the Australian champions or something like that. At the same time, I'm surprised in the first place that the NHL has willingly played games against non NHL teams. Because what if an injury happens? Mm-hmm. You know, if the Sharks are playing Berlin and Logan Couture breaks his leg on a bad hit, what happens? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't expect a player to be like, I'm going to fucking run Logan Couture. But you never know. Mm-hmm. You never know. Or if just something happens in general and the person didn't mean it, but someone gets seriously hurt. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that those have happened. Um, but we do actually have upcoming games uh, this year. Um, oh, God, what was it? Uh, in Sweden, coming up next yep. month, uh, Detroit, Ottawa, Toronto, and Minnesota are going over for regular season games um, next month. So it does still happen. But, yeah, at end of point, sometimes you uh, – Get games against, and uh, there's actually quite the history. Um, literally, if you look up a uh, list of international games played by NHL teams, there is an entire Wikipedia article uh, detailing the history of this that dates back, <laughs> honestly, shockingly, to 1938 is the earliest date that I'm seeing here uh, where the Red Wings and the Habs went on a tour of the UK uh, with a stop in Paris as well for a... Uh, a trio of games. So there is quite an interesting history there. At least we get to end viewer questions on a <laughs> on somewhat of an intriguing note instead of, hey, laser eyes or talk to animals after. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you all for the questions, of course. Um, we do have a couple of things to talk about uh, in regards to the league, though. And I just mentioned Detroit, so we might as well start off there. Um, the Red Wings, five wins in a row. They are off to the best start in 12 years that they have had, uh, led primarily by, oh, wouldn't you know it, uh, Patrick Kane product, allegedly, Alex Dabrinkit, who leads the NHL in points with 12 and goals with eight. He has two more goals than anybody else. There's a handful of guys tied at six. And in terms of points, he is in first with teammate Dylan Larkin in second with 11. They've been carrying my fantasy, dude. (laughs) (laughs) They've been good. 5-1-0 to start the season. Um, I was asked last night on stream again um, as to whether or not I thought this was sustainable for them. And I don't want to say no. But at the same time... There's also aspects of that roster that I still don't trust. You know, I I still have a hard time buying into a Ben Sherratt, Justin Hall pairing being effective for 82 regular season games and then potentially in the playoffs. Yeah, Justin Hall's leading the league in plus minus, though, which is hilarious. Plus nine on the season <laughs> so far. <laughs> so, um, yeah. At the same time, it is nice to finally see Detroit be good again Mm -hmm. i'm sure there's a lot of fan bases where it's like nope let them continue to be bad for 50 more years and they wouldn't have an issue with that and i totally understand um but they have been off to a very very good start 
this season, a plus 15 differential, which is the best in the league right now, even over the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, who are in second on a plus 14, which, by the way, they did end up breaking the record for best start to a season following a Stanley Cup victory. They are a perfect six and oh, um, we'll have to have Danny on the show soon to kind of talk about this freaking hot start for the Golden Knights. But yeah, Detroit has been one of the best teams in the league so far, but six games, you know, it's been six games, but there's promise there for the first time in a while where obviously uh, there was some rough years in the aftermath of the playoff streak ending and Ken Holland doing his damnedest to try to keep that streak going. Consequences be damned. But Alex Debrink gets sick, and I'm very happy that he's uh, turned it around. Much to the chagrin of Sens fans, some of whom are very unhappy about this. Uh, but in general, it's nice to know that the narrative will go from, oh, he was only good because of Patrick Kane, to now people will say, well, he's only good because of Dylan Larkin. So, yeah, hey, he's at least Dylan Larkin player. will get some credit. Chicago should have, I mean, he never should have left Chicago in the first place. His comments following the Kyle Beach situation, like mm-hmm. that's future captain shit, and Chicago only had Bedard in mind. You can argue what could have happened, because we'll never know, in regards to would Chicago have been too good, what would have happened, who knows. Uh, but if you ask me right now, who would I rather have? Say all things remain the same, and you still end up with Connor Bedard. It was a third-round pick this year, 2024, that is. A second-round pick in 2022, which became Paul Ludwinski, and a seventh overall pick in 2022, which became Kevin Korchinski, who is on Chicago's roster right now for Alex Dabrinkit. I like Kevin Korchinski a lot. Imagine... If you still had, and again, it's a total fantasy scenario. We'll never know. If you had Alex Debrinkit and Connor Bedard being able to work together on Chicago's top line. Fantasy scenario, but my God, would that mm-hmm. look pretty damn good right now? Because, yeah, like Sin mentioned, for Alex Debrinkit, it's not just the idea of, oh, he's good on the ice. That guy should have been the captain. Mm-hmm. We said it when he got traded. We said it before he got traded. We've said it after he got traded. He should have been the captain of that team. Yeah. Uh, speaking of captain material, then. Quinn Hughes. Oh, I thought you were going to say Patra. <laughs> you know, there are three topics here, in which case I could say captain material. Captain material. You know, what? let's actually start off with that, Patra. Uh, captain material. Example number one. Speaking of good NHL teams, one of three teams left undefeated in the league right now alongside Vegas and Colorado, it's the Boston Bruins. Bruins! Uh, Bruins! Oh, they a lot of wins right now. They haven't now. played anyone yet, let's be honest. Yeah, that's been the big uh, takeaway. <laughs> I, I joked last night. It got a better response on Twitter. I got fucking downvoted to hell in the Bruins subreddit for this joke. Twitter um, sucks. You know, Twitter saying, fucking Reddit um, sucks. Twitter's okay now, I guess. Saying, oh, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci and company may have actually been holding this team back. <laughs> people, people didn't like that joke, apparently. Um, but it's one of those things where, yeah, it's a 5-0 and start after losing the absurd amount of talents that they lost this past season. It's 
it's crazy. And I do agree that, yes, you look at their schedule so far uh, and who they have played. And uh, we have that full list. It was a 3-1 win over Chicago in the season opener. 3-2 over Nashville. 3-1 over the Sharks. 4-2 over the Kings. And 3-1 over the Ducks. The problem is they play Chicago again on Tuesday. The Ducks again on Thursday. So their first real competition, as people are deeming it, won't be until October 28th when they played Detroit. So I think that's kind of the date that a lot of people are looking towards. I wouldn't necessarily assume that they'll be undefeated until then because 82-game season, you never know. Um, But yeah, after Detroit, it's Florida, Toronto, Detroit again, Dallas. Like, they start getting into the thick of the schedule as we get closer to November. But against the Anaheim Ducks, future captain... In the first two periods, I'm sorry. That was rough Bruins hockey. That was rough hockey in general. The first two periods of that game sucked. Um, God, I forget who it was. Um, there was a local uh, a Bruins reporter who's just like, well, let's see what this third period has in store. We've had some very exciting hockey tonight. Totally tongue-in-cheek because, yeah, the first mm-hmm. two periods of that game last night absolutely sucked. Um, but the Bruins get a win against a team that they should beat. And they have done that five times in a row now. And I am very happy about it. And it helps that out of nowhere, Matt Patra, 19 years old, this guy decides to score two goals in like three minutes, if that. <laughs> and helps propel this team to the win. Um, he's not going back to junior. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Just Man. don't do it. Keep him on I, this I, goddamn I... team. Matty Calder. It's going to happen. Fuck you, Connor Bedard. You got nothing on Matt Potter. If there's one thing I was going to make a meme where it was like, uh, <laughs> oh, call me a reassignment, but not for me. <laughs> Patrick Brown, you are a Providence Bruin. It's going to happen. But yeah, very, very happy with the Bruins start to the season. Very, very happy um, in regards to Matt Potra. Captain material number two, people who are not happy. Vancouver Canucks fans. As uh, one Dom Lecician of The Athletic um, tweeted something that could be viewed as a slight to new Canucks captain Quinn Hughes. He tweeted, The Suzuki rule. Anytime a fan base is yelling about their favorite player being underrated after like six games... That player's PDO is always like 112. So Jay Fresh responded, who is it now? And Dom Lecician said the two words that brought on the firestorm, Quinn Hughes. Now, here, here's the thing. And I, I, I again, we'll continue to talk about the stream last night because we mentioned a lot of stuff. But in regards to Quinn Hughes... There's essentially three possibilities with this, right? It's either you think Dom Lecician is right and that maybe Quinn Hughes is a little bit overrated. In which case, there's no conversation to be had. Unless you want to get into the, well, here's why and get into the pissing battle back and forth. You either think that he's wrong, in which case 
it's like, okay, he's wrong. Or you get into the pissing battle back and forth of, well, here's why you're wrong. Or option three is you think he's doing it for attention. In which case, don't give people attention if you think they're saying something for the sake of intention, attention and engagement and interaction. I just don't understand the idea of this person doesn't think that my... He's kind of right. Like, this player doesn't think that my favorite player is as good as I think he is. So I am angry about it. Why? There's more productive things to be doing. <laughs> There's better ways to be involved in the fandom of a team, of a sport, than to just be like, nope, I have to defend. And this this happens with everything. It's not a hockey thing. The idea of I have to defend this person with my time, with my life. I just, I don't understand it at this point. I think I'm getting too old at this stage. Um, but Sin, you kind of mentioned it uh, when we were talking before recording. And it's that idea of, and I kind of forget how you phrased it, in regards to analytics. Oh, yeah. I just said people love analytics until it, it goes against what they believe or what they or what they want to hear. People love analytics until it tells them something they don't want to hear. And even then... There are so many different models mm-hmm. that are out there. Yeah, and I so think many it's it's things. tough for defense right now, especially um, because when you look at at least in a certain model, again, there's there's variations. EV defense has a lot also to do with you know you clearing the zone, puck moving. So hmm. that's that's why I think Fox is extremely overrated because he's a great puck mover. And everyone looks at that, combines it with the analytics that says EV defense because he's able to, when he, you know, helps clear the zone and shit like that. And that boosts it up. Um, but he's, you know, questionable in a lot of ways in his own end about positioning and the way he uses his stick at times when he chooses to attack rather than gapping. So I think for defense, it's such a complicated thing. And we see that with just how the Norris gets voted on. It's very, very hard to to be fully accurate with it from an analytics standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of just the way things go right now. It's the kind of it's still the argument that was there five years ago when analytics continued to become even more prevalent. It's just the idea of, well, not those analytics, or what about the eye test? What about this? Yeah. Um Quinn Hughes is a damn good player. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't think he's top three, top five, top 10, top 20, what difference does it make? It's an opinion. <laughs> All I know is that I could say if I'm an, if I'm a Canucks fan, I am very happy that I have Quinn Hughes on my team. I am very happy that he is the captain of my team. The end. And I hope yeah. to go. No, actually not the end. And I hope to God management <laughs> does not waste him because that's a player that you don't want to waste. That is a player that you could properly build around to try and make something happen. In regards to the whole analytical talk, too, there was also the launch today, and hopefully this can continue to lead towards analytics and its impact on the sport and conversation. It can lead to things being a little bit more understood and fleshed out because the NHL, um, finally, because this has been in the works for a bit, not the first time I'd heard about it. Some people might not have heard about it at all prior to today, but it is here. They launched NHL Edge which you can find at edge.nhl.com, which is essentially their own sort of 
in-house analytical look um, in affiliation, I believe, with uh, SAP. And the the gist of this is you get some more in-depth stats um, at the NHL level, different tracking options. For example, right on their homepage, if you scroll down for the start of this season, it'll show you who the top 10 guys are in skating speed uh, that have hit the, you know, that have the highest max speed in the league so far this season. Um, in which case, fun fact, it's Winnipeg Jets forward Rasmus Kapari, who topped out at 23.95 miles per hour um, at his highest speed. It also tracks in regards to speed who has the most um, bursts, so effort, essentially clocked in at over 22 miles an hour and also at over 20 miles per hour. So essentially, you could use a tool like this to say, Who's the fastest? Who has the best acceleration? Who's the most consistent in terms of having that high-end speed? You also have similar numbers for this when it comes to shot speed, shot location, um, zone time, where a player often finds themselves. Um, Obviously, for shot speed, that's one that people are always intrigued in. And fun fact, right now, the skater with the Highest clocked shot speed so far is Philadelphia's Travis Sanheim, who had a shot registered at 101.49 miles an hour. One of just four shots on the season so far registered at over 100 miles an hour alongside Victor Hedman, Jan Ruda, and Nick Hague. And again, it has the options. You can sort it by the max speed, who has the most shots over 100 miles an hour, who has the most consistent shots at over 90 miles an hour. So not only do you get those who have hit the top, you get those who have the consistency on top of that. With the goalies, you have shot locations being tracked. High danger, mid-range, long range, and you can also sort it by how many shots against, how many saves, their save percentages on those type of shots, um, the goals for that they've given up, games with save percentages over 900. There's a lot of useful useful information here for a variety of different reasons to expand upon what's already out there from the analytical perspective, but as well in regards to video games, because the second this site was announced to have gone live, my Twitter blew the fuck up. Yep. I woke up with uh, so many goddamn notifications saying, Oh my God. Hey, are you excited? The roster edit? literally the last notification I have here. Uh, shout out to at Rippo underscore Dippo. <laughs> NHL Edge probably got Tukey24 itching the roster edit. And you're right, but you're wrong at the same time. Um, my hope is, and I believe this is the intention, but again, it comes down to execution in the future. Resources like this are going to likely be used in the EA NHL franchise in the future. At least I believe that to be the case based off of what I've heard. It's not a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination, but I do know it's something that's been discussed because of course it is. There isn't a single sports video game out there that is not looking at the analytical side of things and like, okay, how can we implement this into the game? Madden, FIFA, they've already done it Um, heavily, might I add, for the FIFA side of things too. Um, They have so much uh, tracking in their games that yeah. you can't consume all of the information if you're playing online. 
because you don't have enough time during essentially intermission, halftime, post game before you load into a new game. Um, there's so much information that you can really only utilize it if you're doing like a franchise mode type of thing. Um, there's no doubt that something like this should lead to attributes in a game like NHL 24 being more accurate. This should lead to players having proper skating speeds, proper shot powers, stuff like that. But at the same time, that will also require them to do a complete overhaul of their system. Which is why I am not holding my breath at mm -hmm. all that we will see this used when other analytics that are already out there haven't essentially been used at this stage. Or even basic level stats that you can find on NHL.com, Hockey Reference, whatever, that tracks hits and block shots. Um, their current system, we've talked about it a million times, is outdated. It is not good enough. It results in very generic player ratings, players yes. feeling the same. Um, to utilize this information properly that NHL Edge provides would require them to completely change the way that attributes work, the calculation of an overall system, potentially ditching an overall system entirely. I don't mind the overall system, but it should work much differently, and it should work more in, in, in accordance to what the player's role is, and roles would need an overhaul too. I mean... Let's let's why not have, you know, seven, 70, 75 overall guys on the fourth line just, mm -hmm. you know, to get the ratings right, because right now they're boosting up these stats that they may consider inconsequential, but they are very consequential here. Here's an example. If you play be a pro and if you're playing the games or even if you play franchise mode, but mostly be a pro because it's all mostly AI besides your guy, the leading hits in the league is my player. Uh, Trevor Zegras and Troy Terry, who all play on my line. They, we, all three of us are the top three in hits in the NHL mm. because the game plays differ from the sim and they have a certain hit rating and the, probably with sliders too. But also, you know, if you look at, at what they, you know, their stats and stuff like that, I always bring it back to this Johnny Gaudreau having the same hitting stat as Alexander Ovechkin. And all these things, it's just generic stuff to boost up their overall and stuff. So what, they don't get yelled at for certain players being lower overall or whatever, but. That's the big issue, right? Is the yeah. idea of you're not utilizing the rating scale properly at this stage. Yep. The low end fringe NHLers are rated too highly. So as a result, you are having to further boost up the star players to create that separation when that's really not necessary. Yeah. Um, there is no reason, uh, and I'll throw them under the bus because I'm looking at the Oilers roster in the video game right now. There is no reason for Sharks legend Lane Peterson to be a 75. He could easily be a 70. And then all of a sudden, you don't need to have Connor McDavid as a 97 overall with 95 defensive awareness, 83 body checking, etc. You could have those numbers be a little bit lower, less artificially boosted, less realistic, and he'll still maintain a super high rating. I've talked about it a lot because we're going back and playing through the old games, the NHL. Uh, right now, I've gone from NHL 11 to NHL 14 is what we're on stream right now. And at the time, the rating scale was different. And I've talked about this in videos. You could have a 80 overall tough guy, essentially an elite tough guy, an elite enforcer, who would have 65s, 70s, 
for passing and for shooting. But because it's like, okay, he's a tough guy. Important stats for tough guys are good. He has a higher rating. I don't get why we ever got away from that system. And my hope is that NHL Edge, the resource that it is, the information that it provides, not only further opens other avenues for more in-depth analytics, uh, just in a general sense for the sport, but that it opens the door for the video game to be a better representation of the game itself and for what it should be. And that kind of goes in line with NHL 24 in general and the update that is coming out tomorrow um, that we learned about today and the information that came out there and talking about wanting this game to be better. Um, we've talked about this in the past, the idea that, okay, tomorrow's update, hybrid controls are back. Uh, different goalie controls are back. The tether system is now uh, a, a toggle, essentially, whether or not you want it on or off. The problem with that is, again, they never should have had to have gone back in the first place to re-add control schemes and to change things in regards to the game. That should have just been there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's my concern in regards to, oh, what the rosters could be in the future is decisions like this, like with the control schemes, force them to take time fixing it instead of having it already be there, and now this update could have been fixing hip checks, fixing matchmaking and other things, getting franchise mode into a 5 out of 10 level, because right now it's at about a 2 at best. Um, That's my concern. A, A resource like NHL Edge has so much goddamn potential to be utilized in such a great way. But whether it be just because of lack of foresight like this, the resources, the time, the pressures of the schedule that they're under, whatever, I just don't know if we're going to see it properly implemented. And and don't get me wrong, in relation to NHL 24, yeah, hybrid controls were a must because the fact is some people couldn't play the goddamn game anymore um, just due to physical capability. Some people literally need those control schemes to be in the game be able to actually play it the goalie controls again should have been optional in the first place um they are making different changes as well um to the way goalies react when under fatigue um they uh bumped up the stick lift a little bit in this upcoming patch um stick lift targeting has been updated to target a lower location on the opposing player's stick which reduces the chance of taking a penalty so the stick lift should be better yeah good um they fixed a a user goalie spinning issue which was an issue in the beta um alongside some other things um you know like menu stuff for world of Chell creation zone they fixed the scrolling speed for contracts. It's not going to be super slow anymore. Uh, they also fixed uh, created defenseman being listed with forward potentials and stuff like that. So that's fun. Um, but we're still waiting for hip checks and other things like that. Like, yeah, I can't talk about a, a service like NHL Edge and how it could be utilized in a video game sense without talking about the realities of what the video game is right now. And I just can't be confident with their current systems that it's going to be utilized properly anytime soon. Unfortunately, I, I just genuinely do not have the confidence or belief 
that it's going to be utilized properly. And it's going to take... Uh, it's going to take somebody or a small group of people in a dedicated position to fix this shit. It can't just be, okay, well, this guy works on franchise, be a pro, and also touches up some stuff with the rock. They need a dedicated person or a group of people to be able to put the proper amount of focus, time, effort, and care into the subject, or it's never going to be where it needs to be. That is just a fact. Yeah. It does not matter if it is a, cr- a creator like myself, snipe and score tactics. It does not matter if they outright hire a J fresh or somebody in the analytics community to directly provide. Okay, here it is. You are a resource now for what this is. There needs to be a drastic change. It cannot be the same old system that they've had for God knows how long now because we've seen over and over again the system does not work. Yeah, it's not. It's, there's there's nothing to, to say other than that. Um, I will say, like I said before, their downfall was them grabbing the UFC license and them splitting the team up in two. That's basically the entirety of it. That's where they fucked up. That's where now, 10 years down the line, people are still saying that the game is nowhere where it used to be. Um, and you have people going on Twitter being like, wow, it took three weeks to have controls to the game. And I'm like, do you remember Do you remember when the double IHF put the sanctions against Russia and Belarus? And yeah. by response, EA had to remove Russia and Belarus from the game. And do you remember what happened for a good solid week after they removed Russia and Belarus from the game? Somewhat. I feel like I tried to put it out of my memory. <laughs> so anytime you would go to a Russian or Belarusian player, you would crash your game immediately. Whenever you load up their stats or anything, the game would crash. Because what they did is they pulled Russia and Belarus out of the pool entirely. Mm-hmm. And so when you're coding a game, you your your game base a basically call the action is like, okay, I'm gonna look at this and load up this thing over here. If this thing over here doesn't work, it can be catastrophic for literally everything in the game itself. That's why when you look at other games, like for example, when we're lo- when we're playing um emulated versions of NHL on stream, uh using the emulator that we use, RP RPC S3. There is an actual change log of everything that's being loaded while you play in the background on the console. And we're playing Legacy Edition or whatever, looking at stuff like that. You can see what codes are being used. And a lot of the codes references are still seeing like NHL 11, 12, 13 in the code in the code itself. Mm. So for people to complain about the, the controls being out of the game, I completely understand that. And I understand why people are upset. But at the same time, it's like a piece of Jenga. It, you're not going to... If you grab a piece and pull it from the bottom directly, shit's going to fall apart. You have to basically rebuild the entire control system in a way to put stuff back into the game. I get people are upset, but there's a reason why it took basically a month, really, because they said initially in an update, like right after the tech test, that, hey, we're going to be adding this into the game. Because not only do you have to make sure the controls are in the game, you got to make sure they work. You got to make sure they actually work accurately and that there isn't any other bugs happening. For example, the spinning goalie thing that happened in the game right now as we speak. There's also a a bug in Be A Pro where uh, in Total Control where uh, you're – 
if you're using total control to do the between the legs deke, it, it nothing happens. I've tested this a few different times. I there's also something on the forums where on certain I noticed for like a PS4 user it wasn't working on fixed camera. Um, I'm using zone camera on the Xbox Series X and it's not working. So yeah, there's 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 control issues right now even with the new schemes. I've mentioned it. Exactly. And like the major content update for, you know, putting in the gameplay changes that with the hip checks and other stuff in there that got pushed back because putting in the old control system was the main priority of the developers. Clearly, they even said in the update there that they're pushing back all the other updates for an update in the earliest of being next of not next week, but the earliest of like early November. So that could be November 1st, 2nd, 3rd. It could be like the 8th of all things, too. It's one of those things where, you know, I'll never not root for NHL 24 to be better because it's the only hockey game that's out there from a modern perspective. Um, so again, kind of bring it all together. There are great resources out there. It's just I'm, I'm uncertain about the current infrastructure and current setup of things that, you know, its current status probably isn't going to allow something like this to be used properly, but I hope that ends up being the case. Um, obviously, I'm going to push for the idea of like, hey, can we have player stats actually be representative of these players as opposed to, well, this guy is good, so give him good stuff. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to get away from that if we could. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's one of those things. Sin, you mentioning freaking Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry leading the league in hits in, in your be a pro alongside you. It's just like, you want that differentiation of Trevor Zegers feels like a finesse skill first player, but then on the same team, because the Ducks have Eric or not Eric Bolton. Now they have Ross Johnston now. And if you are, if you're on the ice with Ross Johnston, you want to see that guy run around and be a bully on the ice, mm-hmm. which is his job. Like you want to see him get into fights. Say you take a hit. You're on the ice with Ross Johnston. Your guy takes a rough hit. You want to see Ross Johnston skate over and defend you. At the same time, that feels, which, Troy... <laughs> that feels as likely as Zegras or Troy Terry going and defending you at the moment. Uh, yeah, Troy Terry has 100 penalty minutes because he fights um, in, in the game. He has a fighting rating. I don't know what it is, but since he, if most of the time he's the only one on the ice. <sighs> so I, I get crushed or Zegras gets crushed. Um, or someone cr- or Zegras crushes someone, someone wants to step up, but Zegras has a never fighting Troy Terry maybe has rarely, but he's the only one out there to step up. He always fills in the place. So yeah, Troy Terry has 10 plus fights in, in, in that, <laughs> like that's, the, that's the other thing. It's that their gameplay, the sliders are not representative of hockey and you can no longer choose between uh real sim real time sim or competitive or arcade anymore i noticed that's gone that's not an option in be a pro yeah, i don't know if it's an option that. anywhere else but... i mentioned that it's just nhl 24 and it's stupid yeah it is um, stupid i miss that because now i have to go in depth with the sliders and fuck around a lot whereas last year i was just you know what my guy has 95 speed now why am i why am i struggling to blow by eric goodbranson because it's set to real sim or something. And then if I set it to competitive, all of a sudden my skating stats fucking matter. Yeah. And then Eric Branson can't keep up with me. But now I have to go bit by bit and figure it out. But also 
I'm going to say it for the millionth time. There needs to be separate tuner sets for separate game modes. Like we can't have hut dictating fucking everything. And that's what it is right now. Everything is tuned for hut. Maybe a little bit for Ishul, but it's mostly tuned for hut. Yeah, (laughs) I can't. uh, I can't disagree with that. For the record, I had to look it up. Uh, Troy Terry in the most recent NHL 24 roster update. Uh, has his fighting, of course, which you have the option of never, rarely, sometimes, and often. Uh, it is currently set to rarely. Um, his fighting skill is currently set. Any guesses of Troy Terry's fighting skill in I'm NHL say it's 24? At 80. Endo, do you have a guess? No, I don't. I'm not familiar with Troy Terry, unfortunately. His fighting skill is set to a 70. Mm. Troy Terry has one career fight. <laughs> um, in which it, you know why is that rarely? Because he's a two-way. Mm. EA does not fucking figure out what, like, every time you get deep in a franchise mode, because I always check fights and hits, I consider those the fun stats when I'm doing the stat wrap-up. Every time you get deep into it, the top leaders in fighting... They're all two-way forwards and two-way defensemen. Because I feel like because the way EA randomizes the AI-generated players, they it's it's anywhere in the spectrum. Like, you know, you're not going to see a sniper come in with often fighting, but if they're a two-way, EA doesn't know what the fuck to do. So I think they just have it. Okay, they can be anywhere. So you end up with these, like, two-way defensemen and two-way forwards who might be in the high 80s and 90s, and they're fighting 20-plus times a year. Because EA doesn't know what to do with a two-way and setting their fighting. For the record, that lone fight of Troy Terry's was against Jay Beagle in April of 2022. Uh, HockeyFights.com allows its users to vote on the result, either win, lose, or or, you know who won, or was it a draw? 91% said Jay Beagle won that fight. (laughs) But Troy Terry has more fights than Arbor Jackeye does in your Be A Pro, essentially. Mm Mm-hmm. Because yeah, we have, he's, we have he's the only one who d- isn't set to never. So I guess he'll just always step up, even though it's set to rarely. <sighs> Maybe someday it'll be good, everybody. With that, the final thing to mention as we wind down the first show of the week is this. Um, Travis Dermott. And you're going to know why that name's out there right now. He became the first player... Uh, to use pride tape after the supposed ban, which says a lot about him for a variety of different we- uh, for a variety of different reasons, but especially because he is in that very precarious position of not being a star player in the NHL. Um, someone like Travis Dermott, who was on a two way contract, could easily be sent to the AHL. His deal could be up, and then bye bye. Have fun learning Russian. You're off to the KHL. Um. A very bold and brave thing to do at this stage. Mm-hmm. And right now, there is no word about whether or not there'll be repercussions from the NHL side of things. They're reviewing uh, they, it, they said. Hmm? The reviewing. NHL said that they're reviewing it, the situation. Right. Um, the egg that they already have on their face is hilarious. Um, for all the reasons that we've talked about. And now... 
they're staring down the barrel of, well, if we do something about this, the negative press is going to be fucking insane, except from the fucking same losers who are like, yeah, I went and bought a Prover off Jersey, yeah. And if that's who you're going to be appealing to at this stage, well, then it's no wonder why you're trying to avoid NFL competition because you know your league is fucking second rate. Going to throw that out there. Travis Dermott, good on you. Um, and hopefully <laughs> the NHL and its video game um, can get its fucking shit together collectively uh, because both need to, <laughs> as we've learned. But um, he he was the first, but Travis Dermott uh, will not be the last, I would imagine. And I don't feel it sucks because I feel like this is a topic that deserves 20 minutes worth of time. But at the same time, we've had the conversation to death at this point over just how yeah. dumb the NHL is over this entire thing. And they're so dumb for for doing this thing. Like they're, they're so fucked right now because if they don't punish him, it looks exactly as it is a completely empty threat pandering to homophobes and pandering to five or six dudes in the NHL who didn't want to wear bride jerseys. They already look like that. And and then if they do find him, then they have a whole other PR nightmare in their hands. And that was supposedly what they're trying to avoid by canceling all the by mass canceling the special events, even though there was only this issue with one of them. They've well, once again put themselves in a nightmarish PR position and I have zero sympathy for them. Yeah. Well, you know, it only took five or six players for them to add this rule in. So by that math, it'll take five or six players fighting against this for them to abolish that rule, given their fucking logic with the NHL. So, you know, there's an article that just came out right now from the hockey news uh, from Nick Barden uh, saying that Morgan Riley has also given support towards, um, uh, Travis Dermott is another former teammates in Toronto. And so saying, if you look back at pictures, he's always done that. Whenever you're asked not to do something and you do it anyway, it takes a little bit of courage and I support him. I think it's a good move by him. Props to Travis Dermott. I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, he's on a, he's not on a contract. He's on a contract year this year. He's making less than a million dollars. It's a big move for a guy. who really has everything to lose. Um, mm-hmm. he could get, he could get blacklisted by by the by the league uh, for doing stuff like this. Like I highly, I really highly doubt it because that'd be even more questionable things and more mismanagement, not just by the teams but just by the league in general. Um, I think, like Tuki said, they definitely put themselves in a weird, a weird, stupid corner in the sense of you know banning pride tape. Um, you know, you could have done something simple as saying, you know, you teams cannot force players to use pride tape, but that's stupid because there's a rule book art. There's a rule already in there that says teams are allowed to are permitted to use any color of tape they want on their stick, except for goalies. The goalies cannot use black tape on the end of their stick, like the butt end, because apparently it looks too much like a puck and it could confuse uh, a referee or a linesman or whatever the fuck. Pride tape for everybody. That's the solution. Yes. With that, gentlemen, we will wind things down yeah, for the first show of the week. Mr. For the win. What do you have going on? I have I highly doubt there are too many massive changes from just a few days ago. <laughs> no, um, I'm, I'm going to be I'm getting ready to start a new franchise mode. Not anytime. I'm just trying to get it all set up for that uh, 
so that I don't have too much time between a series I can get. It's going to be a, a new member series. So uh, I'll have all the mem- all the channel paying channel members will be prospects into the game. Hopefully they fix that bug where you couldn't put prospects to appear in the third year of the in the third draft year. That was a thing last year. I don't I'll have to ask Snipe. He'll probably know. And he, he's going to be the one to do my rosters anyway. But yeah, I'll have uh all channel members appearing in the first two or three draft years as prospects. And I always love to do that. It's a lot of fun keeping track of all them. And it's, it's cool to give back to the community in, in that kind of sense. And, you know, there's so bunch of players missing as there always is. So let's fill, fill it in with some of the, some of the channel members who like to support my series and, you know, still kicking with the be a pro stuff as well. I'm having a blast first season, almost over. You know, I've I've told you this. I feel like that's an idea I have to steal (laughs) at some point. Although, in fairness, I did do that a couple years ago for a Patreon exclusive series. And it was a hell of a lot of fun uh, to see what players would develop. The thing is, it'd be a hell of a lot more fun if we could edit people during a franchise mode. You know, be a lot more fun. Let me let me say, you know what? This guy was the first one to win the Calder. We're going to bump up his potential by an extra one or something like that. Like, imagine the creativity you could have. Now I'm sad. Endo. Endurance M. What do you have going on? Um, Not much. Um, cool. Still working on so a video. <laughs> okay, thanks. I barely said anything in this episode. Um, uh, I've got nothing going on except for working on that video. It's supposed to be out Wednesday. Uh, besides that, uh, be a pro stream tomorrow, I guess, because the update's coming out, and I guess I'm gonna play some goal. Um, yeah, you're gonna be live at like 12 31 o'clock tomorrow, streaming some be a pro. So, there you go. You cannot say you barely said anything when you told us the entire history of Red Mittens, and then I was silent because y'all kept talking over me for the entirety of the episode. You can look back at the waveform, there's like maybe like three blips. Over the past hour and a half of me speaking. That's it. I will put that to the test with the screenshot of this video for the podcast side of things on the podcast channel. With that, everybody, you know the deal. Turkey 24 everywhere. Uh, catch Endo on his stream or you can talk to him and he can talk to you uninterrupted. And we'll see all of you later on this week. It's known as the episode where Endo got big mad. Big mad. Big mad. (laughs) Fuck you.